Hey everybody, this is Matt Fendora, and you're listening to the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, the show that provides tools and insights to help you become the best version of yourself, focusing on mind, body, heart, and spirit. Without further ado, let's begin. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast, a podcast all about being the best version of yourself through mind, body, heart, and spirit. Today, I'm here with Jordan Kerner. Jordan has accumulated over 11 years of youth service experience through coaching, small group leadership, teaching, and now nonprofit leadership. During this time, he has had the opportunity to study the human condition at a pretty close level. He couldn't help but fall in love with the process of meeting people where they are and help them move forward. On November 8th, Jordan became a published author with his first book, The Head and the Heart, An Internal War. He loves to write and stay active with his friends and is a host of a few podcasts, Joy on Tap and the Respect Team Podcast. He currently resides in Huntington, Indiana and has a golden doodle named Bambi. Some of Jordan's proudest accomplishments include coaching college basketball for three years, being a two-sport college athlete, and publishing his first book, What Makes Jordan's Heart Sing, Music, going to concerts, being with people when everyone is happy and enjoying themselves, and also seeing people in their element and doing things they're really good at. Without further ado, here's Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? It's good to be here, by the way. I'm doing great, and I noticed that you have the same name of a dog as I do, so my dog is also named Bambi. No kidding, dude. That's yeah. hilarious. What was the inspiration for your name then? Uh, she looks like a deer. <laughs> Love it. Love she's it. A, what kind of dog? She's a Chihuahua mix. Okay. Hilarious. So, so for whatever reason, like her her snout and everything, she looks just like a deer. And we're like, oh, that looks like Bambi. Oh, you know what? Yeah, let's let's name her Bambi. Oh, my gosh. I love it. That's so funny. And it, so your dog's a girl as well. Yes. Okay, so is mine, and of, of course, everyone, I'm assuming you get this as well, everyone always uh, assumes that I've named my dog after the movie Bambi, which is not correct. Uh, nothing against that movie, but it, that's not correct. And they're like, well, Bambi was a boy, which that was a newsflash to me. I thought Bambi was a girl in uh, the movie, but apparently, Bam- yeah, yeah, uh, dude. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> Yeah, that was a news flash. Uh, so, anyway, well, right on. I love it. I feel like my mind's blown now that Bambi was a boy. I always thought Bambi was a girl. Yeah, yeah, I, I was just convinced people were lying, but that is in fact true. So, you heard it here first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what? My first question for you is: Where do you feel like the start of your journey was? exactly the start of my journey the start of uh be can you be more specific what do you mean uh so what made you want to get into working with the youth and doing your small leadership your coaching and now the non-profiting it's interesting because i i just feel like at an early age it's something i always wanted to do um you know i mean at this point you know like you said in the intro it's gained over 11 years of experience in that and I mean I'm only 28 so I mean 
over a decade that's <laughs> I had to start in high school. So, I mean, it just, I always had this affinity to giving back and working with kids, high schoolers, and then eventually college for a little bit. And I, I think there was two things going on. I really loved coaching. And so while I was playing basketball, I went to my tribal basketball coach and asked if I could coach. And he let me coach like fourth and fifth graders when I was 16. And that really started it. And then it just seemed like opportunity after uh, opportunity just fell in, whether it was small group leadership or, you know, helping out of the youth group or whatever. And it, I just was like, man, this is amazing. I feel really fortunate and just loved the opportunity to meet people where they were and be a part of, of their growth. So, yeah, I just think at an early age, I was fascinated by that. Um, maybe had to do with some of my childhood, I guess, a little bit to help out where I could. So just kind of always had that fascination by it and wanted to help. Did you do anything outside of that coaching in high school? Was there another like leadership opportunity that you had that you just went all in on? Yeah, I mean, definitely small group leadership for sure. Um, being like a small group leader for middle school and high school groups. Um, and then as I got older, I helped start a nonprofit. This was probably, uh, I think I was a junior in college, maybe a senior, and helped start a nonprofit, which was a basketball organization. But I was a chief operating officer there and coached. And one of the main components of my job was the mental performance of our athletes. So I would watch a lot of practices and I would watch a lot of our team's games and uh, kind of just evaluate how players were emotionally. And that kind of started my path into mental performance, uh, particularly with athletes. So that was another aspect, another way that I led. Um, and then just over the years in different, you know, uh, both in Fort Wayne and then in the various cities I lived when I coached in college, um, just being a part of community, like, I want to say advocacy groups, but, you know, that seems maybe a little bit more intense, but just being a part of citywide initiatives and change and trying to, you know, inspire, um, yeah, like citywide projects to better this, the cities and stuff. Yeah. For someone, let's say they're in high school, what would you say are the top three places that someone should get involved in to build their leadership? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, top three places to get involved in that would build their leadership. There are um, like young leader, young entrepreneur groups. And I can't think of the name, but that might be it. Like young leaders. Yeah, young leaders, young entrepreneurs, something like that. Um, but whatever the name is, there are for sure those types of groups locally. And um, a lot of them have opportunities for high school students specifically. Um, so something like that, for sure. I'd say that there are, you know, like our nonprofit uh, respect, respect team, we have a student board. And so there are other organizations as well that also have a student board. So I would try to find organizations that have that and so for us we i try to empower our student board to be as autonomous as possible you know i give them as much you know as they need for me but also at the same time i don't want them to feel like 
all their ideas were my vision and what I told them to do. I said, hey, here are some things I want to accomplish. And uh, you do with that what you will. I'm here as you need, uh, but I want it to be yours. So, you know, I really try to, yeah, empower our kids to find their leadership style and execute it the way that they would. So, you know, I can't speak for every organization, but if that's something kids are interested in, that could be good. Um, and I also try to, if this is something one of our student board members are interested in, bring them into certain like donor meetings. Um, if I'm going to meet with, with someone that I have a little bit better of a relationship with, is say, hey, can I bring in my student board members? Um, they're typically okay with that. And so they kind of get some intimate experience at an early age and what that looks like and how relationship development on a community level goes. Um, and then we try to bring them to some of our actual adult <laughs> board meetings so they can kind of get that too. Uh, so that's another one. So I would say like young entrepreneur groups, try to find organizations with um, small groups. And then the third one, I would say, try to find something that's more niche um, and I know I'm being very vague, but I just think that things like this can go a lot of different ways. Um, so what I mean by that is for me, that was coaching, right? When I was in high school, that's where I thought my skill set was. So my passion was, it was an opportunity to give back and it was a leadership thing, right? So, and I had a, I had a gateway and I had a connection to it. So when I went to, um, the director of, the organization who happened to be my basketball coach. And I was like, Hey man, I really, really want to get back. I really want to start coaching. You know, that was something I was passionate about. So I would say whatever your niche is, whether that's marketing or farming or any sort of business or sports or whatever, try to find an organization um, that aligns with um, your skill set, your kind of core values um, and see what you can do there. And a lot of times, if it's kind of grassroots enough, or they have what even to the most formal thing of an internship, you can get connected and kind of build your leadership stuff there. So, yeah. So how does someone get involved with the student board? How do they find that? And then how do they get on to a student board? Yeah, great question. For us, I know we are trying to make that way more um, accessible. And I don't know how how much it's been really promoted in the past. I think we've just been fortunate with, you know, especially when Amy Hanna was the executive director, she was just so plugged in to the community and the local schools that um, it came pretty easily. Now it's, I'm finding it's a little bit more difficult and I'm relying heavily on students that currently served or have just recently served and kind of like, Hey, if you know anyone, um, please let them know. So it's a little bit word of mouth as far as just the awareness side of it. And we're trying to trying to do a much better job of that. Now the actual onboarding process and what that looks like once you become aware and, um, you know, familiar and you show interest, there's, there's an interview process on our side. So we definitely do an interview with myself. We try to get another student board member involved too. And if possible with uh, a member of our adult board, um, just to kind of get them a well-rounded experience 
Um, so that's our process. It's just very much, and when I say interview, it's really just um, informal conversations. I mean, these are high schoolers, so I'm just, I want to get to know them. I want to know their passion and, you know, why, why they want to give back and also really iron out. And I do this for our adult members as well, this specific part. I really want to make sure that they want to be a part of it to enact change, not just put on their resume or, you know, their future applications that they're on a board. Uh, so because if, if that's the case, they won't be very proactive in what we're trying to do. And so um, it, they're just really informal conversations, getting to know one another and making sure that missions align and uh, passions are there. Uh, so that's our process. I, it can look a lot different um, with other places. Some may be a little bit more serious. You know, I uh, I try not to take life too seriously. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. So some places might take it a little bit more seriously. But I think especially when you're dealing with youth, you have to be a little bit more lighthearted. And I learned that after teaching two years of middle school. So barely made it out alive. <laughs> so, you know, just, yeah. So I, I can't really speak for others, but um assume that it's largely the same process um a couple interviews and probably maybe i think there is another organization i was talking to the other day they have like a written component of kind of like a uh what do i want to say like a why paragraph or statement type of thing so that things like that could be included as well so how does a somebody let's say a teenager and a college student or somebody who's not in college, but they're an adult, how do both of those individuals find boards to be on? Good question. Um, <clears throat> there's, I know there's several people on our board um, where it's just a policy with the place that they work, that they have to be on a board while they're employed there. So there's been a couple of people that have come to us um, because, you know, they heard about us in some way, but uh their yeah, their company just has a, a thing that kind of like a philanthropy or give back, like a what's that called? Cor corporate social responsibility policy that uh, they have to be a part of a nonprofit board and, and give back in that way. So sometimes that that's the case. Um, but truthfully, I think um in the nonprofit world, especially Especially when you're a grassroots organization, and what I mean by that is for you know anybody that's hearing that and not really familiar with that term, it's just a, a small organization, right? I mean, I'm the only full-time staff person at Respect Team, so you know we're pretty bare bones, um, and so it, especially for Wayne, we have some larger nonprofits. Uh, I mean, there's one um, that I'm closely connected to that have like over 60 employees. Like that's that's a big nonprofit. That's a good sized business for profit or not. So mm -hmm. um, we're grassroots for sure. So I, I point that out to say that everything we do is very much canvas, like canvassing and word of mouth and relationships. And, um, you know, our previous board members, when they term out, um, feel that it's time for them to leave, we, ask that they you know give us two or three names that just somebody that they think could be a good replacement or would fit well um so then it kind of builds on itself so those are two ways um and then the third way i would say kind of goes back to um 
an earlier question, but I think people for them to find an organization that's within their niche, you know, so it's like pretty much everyone on our board ha- cares about mental health in some way, whether it's because they have kids in the age ranges that we serve and that's important to them. And they heard about what we do through an event or again, a word of mouth. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like I really care about that. Uh, maybe they're, they are a counselor, right. And they love what we do. And so they want to give us some clinical leadership and guidance, you know, uh, and anything in that way. So I think, yeah, it's just, it, it can be a uh, requirement from your work. It can be, um, you know, your best friend served on the board and they, they stepped off and said it was a good opportunity or they're still on and they want you to join. Uh, it could be a thing of you are looking for areas to serve and we happen to be in your niche um, or whatever organization, you know, maybe like there's World Baseball Academy, right? Maybe you love baseball and you love coaching youth baseball. So you got on their board, you know, so you seek out those things that fit in your um, skill set. Lastly, I would say this is actually how our most recent board member joined is um, his wife is a teacher at one of the high schools we serve and they have come to our 360 awards two years in a row um, this year being the second year. And he, uh, the husband now board member, (laughs) um, he reached out like a week after the awards and uh, just, yeah, messaged me and was like, I really love what you guys do. Um, I love, you know, to grab dinner and just, chat about how I can help out more. And initially I, you know, I didn't really know um, fully what he wanted to talk about, but you know, I was like, yeah, for sure, man, let's get together. And uh, throughout the dinner, we realized that potentially being a board member would be a really, really great fit. So that was just kind of like, you know, he reached out because he came to an event of ours, you know, and we just got dinner. Um, So I, I just think, you know, for me, I'm so relational. So some of these things that at least my advice, it comes down to just your openness to relationships and um, the way that you cultivate them and, and, uh, and things like that. So hopefully, these answers are, you know, wide enough and helpful enough and not so just one track, but I'm just Mm -hmm. so relational. That's, that's my mindset. So you mentioned uh, you loved seeing people in their element. So what does that yeah. look like and where did that come from? Um, yeah, I love that question. And I, this is something I really just happened upon like somewhat recently. And I can't pinpoint the first time, but I know that it was at a concert. Um, and I was just blown away by uh, the person's talent. You know what I mean? I was just like, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you're, you are just seeing someone in their element, what they do, whether they're a musician, they're a keynote speaker, whatever, and they're just crushing it. And you're just like, I don't have, like, they have more talent in their pinky toe than I do in my entire body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it was something like that where I don't know if it was a friend, cause I have a lot of musically gifted friends too. So I don't know if it was like seeing someone I knew or a band that I really like. I can't remember. Uh, certainly I'm sure at each time, but that was the first time where I was just like, dang, that is so neat to watch someone who's practiced and practiced and practiced and pursued a dream 
And here they are doing that dream in front of people. Um, and then obviously my, my real good buddy, my best friend, Josh King, he's just really, really grown. Um, especially in, um, what's the word I want? Like the word that comes to mind, like attractiveness to the city, but he just keeps continuing to get opportunities to speak and have impact in the community and uh, deservingly so. Uh, and so when I've moved back, you know, I was gone for five years. So when I came back and now I'm seeing this dude, my best friend, he is in this space of like people are constantly asking him to speak at places. They want him to be a part of their projects and initiatives. And when he does that, he does it so well that when I watch him, I'm like, dude, this is <laughs> this is awesome. So I don't quite know when it started and can pinpoint it but i know it was kind of in those in that realm and i want to say it was probably at a concert i was just i just get really blown away by people's talent and i i love that idea of like especially thinking of a musician where they were just you know at some point they were a kid and they had this dream of performing in front of thousands of people or whatever going on the road and touring and um, they practice, 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 and now here they are years later doing that. It's just like, it gives me chills to think about because I'm like, that is so neat, and I love watching that. I, I want yeah. to acknowledge the fact that you said that you're, you sit there in that moment, in that present moment, and you admire them instead of being jealous of them and saying mm -hmm. like, oh, I should be able to do that. I could do that. Like you're looking and be like, wow, that's amazing. Keep doing this. And you actually want to see them be successful instead of why am I not there? Why can't I do this? And so I just want to acknowledge you for, for that. So yeah. how do people find their element then? How do people find like what gets them in their groove and their element? Yeah. Um, that's a really great question. I, the first thing that came to mind, and this is kind of fresh because I still do some um, mental performance work with athletes. Um, in 2020, I started a, a company called behavior bloom and the, the pandemic taught us a lot, but obviously I think one of the major things that came out of that was isolation um, is a killer. And especially as a coach, you know, I saw how it affected performance and um, just the psyche. And so I wanted to be a part of improving that. And so ever since then, I've, the referrals, I've kind of, you know, coached athletes on the mental side and, there's one particular athlete um, who we've gone close and it's, it's branched from performance of sport to performance of what we talked about last night was uh, he said, Jordan, how does sports and dating interact? So now we're talking about dating, but anyway, it's all, it's all good. But I bring that up to say that one of the huge components of that conversation was expectations, particularly um, navigating the expectations of others that they have on like they put on you and i think that's a really huge part in that when you're young um you know i think your parents or people close to you a lot of times i i like to assume positive intent so i would say a lot of times with positive intent they're trying to guide their kid um put them in the right direction Mm -hmm. um, but maybe in that, you know, they're telling them like, oh, you should go in the health field because it's a very stable, uh, you know, path. Meanwhile, they want to rip on a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And so it, I, I think things like that can happen. And what I would say is follow your passion. There's so many people that I think struggle with that idea because they think you're trying to go all Disney and be like, oh, follow your heart and everything will be okay. And where I still believe there's a lot of truth in that, that's not quite what we're trying to get at, right? It's just saying, if you don't want to be a lawyer, dude, don't be a lawyer. Like go to art school and be the next great illustrator. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a sense of discerning um, people's wisdom and guidance and then going, are they putting expectations on me that are not mine? Mm. Uh, I think that's a crucial starting point is, mm -hmm. is deciphering that, especially at a young age, because that's what happened to me. I had some, I had some things that I was really interested in doing. I was thinking about going to like a psychiatry track um, and a mentor at the time um, convinced me to go to a private Christian school because how can I get in a position? This was the quote. Um, and this isn't, I'm not trying to, you know, this is just, this is what happened. So they said, how can you go to a school or go to a career field where you're changing people's lives, but you go to a school, you're not getting truth or something in that field. Mm -hmm. And he was throughout the conversation. He was basically saying like, you can't go to a godless university when you're trying to in the future counsel people, how can you, how can you help them? And, you know, as a young kid who didn't have a dad and I really took to heart the, the mentors in my life, particularly if there were men um, because I lacked that, I took that to heart. Mm. And so I changed where I was really interested in going to somewhere else, which I ended up liking that school, but it wasn't the right, it wasn't the right fit. And mm -hmm. I, it was more expensive. So I had more loans, like it just <clears throat> led to other things. So that's just kind of an illustration of that, of like, if mm. other people's expectations are not your own, feel confident and free to discern that. And so once you do that and you realize like, oh, this is something that I really care about. I'm really passionate about. And I have some sort of a natural gifting to it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just, you have to do everything you can. It's like, you know, waving, uh, fanning a flame. You know what I mean? You have to do everything you can to just kind of keep that um, spark alive. Mm -hmm. if, if you're a writer, go to an open mic thing and share your poetry. Same with a musician, go to an open mic, share some of the stuff you're working on, join a worship band or if you're a basketball player, like find every opportunity to get in the gym um, and, and understanding that the dream is possible is connected to that second point is probably point three. So for example, um, in, the non in the basketball organization that I helped start, um, again, very grassroots organization, um, but the president of it, had this team that um, when we, they were fifth or sixth graders, take the back. I think they were like seventh or eighth when they got brought over, but he had been with this team since they were like fifth graders. And there was this kid on the team that we all knew was just going to be an absolute stud. And he found every opportunity to be in the gym and late hours, putting up extra shots, all of it. Right. And he wanted to go to a division one school at an early, like seventh grader. He asked someone he wanted to do. He said, I want to play division one basketball and play overseas or professionally. And people scoff at that. I go, yeah, we'll be realistic. Right. So fast forward, he's now a really, he's a sophomore in college and he's a 
heavy, heavy contributor to the Wisconsin basketball team. Mm. That's a pretty big school for basketball. Right. Um, And so, you know, if people aren't very familiar, like all that to say he did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was because he didn't listen to other people's expectations. He found Mm -hmm. something that he was naturally gifted at and was and cared about. And he fanned that flame. He put in the work and then he believed in himself that it was possible. And he, realized it so i think i could answer that in a multitude of ways but mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really great starting point of just mm-hmm. knowing yourself feeding yourself and believing in yourself for sure i think one other thing that's important is when looking for that passion is trying new things because if we sit there and we're doing the same thing every single day how we're going to think hey this is what my passion is but in reality it's like it's because i haven't tried x y and z like i've never had that experience and then once you try to like wow this opened my eyes to like a new perspective a new idea yeah 100% even to the point of when you learn in other spaces it can help you in another so for for example like i was a multi sport athlete so there were things that I've taken from like the footwork of baseball, this might sound weird, the footwork of baseball to the footwork of shooting, right? Mm-hmm. And, and basketball. So um, when you're like gathering your feet, how can you adjust your feet so that you set yourself up? Like when you're getting ready to get a pass, mm-hmm. how can you set your feet up to make your shot be quicker and better? So you can take things from other areas and go, oh, I can, I can add this here. I even heard on a podcast one time that they were talking about like hiring for a company and um, they were trying, they were looking for this like high level executive job and I'm going to get the position wrong, but essentially it was, let's say it was the chief um, technology officer, right? And the person they hired didn't have a background in tech, but they had a background in, I don't know, and hearing and the reason they hired him was because that he had really great people skills but his skill set gave him a different perspective and could allow him to lead in a different way while still empowering the people beneath him to focus on the tag and da, 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 da. Um, that's just a different train of thought that sometimes like having different experiences can give you a better perspective for that thing you inevitably land on um, and makes you more robust and well-rounded. So great point. Yeah. So I kind of want to move it into your book. So could you give us a sneak peek into the head and the heart and internal war? Could you tell us what that's about? Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. And it, I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind um, as of yesterday, especially on the, the Kindle version. Um, it was like in the top 15 for... Um, well, I'm trying to think of the category that I was in. Um, I think it was like biographies and memoirs for social activists was a specific category. So we're already seeing like really great um, interest in it, which has been really fun. I worked on it for six years. (laughs) So it was um, a slow burn. And so now to be at this point where people are so close to be reading it and, um, and seeing things like that, it's just been, it's been unreal. So The Head and the Heart, it, it's a memoir. Um, when I when I started writing, it, that was the goal. Um, but I quickly found that I wasn't writing it like a traditional memoir. 
even to the point I can remember saying that I was describing it as like a semi-autobiography and it was very, very heavily like narrative based, kind of almost a little bit third person in a way, but it was just, I was writing it differently. And over time I realized what I initially intended kind of changed and I'm really glad where it ended up. And so um, I play throughout the book and really the basis of the book is that your life is this war of fighting your head and your heart. And whenever you make a decision, do people want to go with their gut? Do people want to trust logic? You know, I mean, that, that happens more times, uh, more times than not. And um, so I take, there's like seven really chapters in total, but five main full chapters that I call battles. And that's family, friends, religion, love, and then the battle of yourself. And so in that, I tell personal stories in each battle and kind of just narrate and show how there was a unique struggle of trusting the head or the heart and how I failed in certain areas by doing that. And, and yeah, and just giving perspective through some of my childhood stories, sometimes in a, in a heavy way, sometimes in a lighthearted way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the basis of it. It's just, uh, I, I think when, yeah, that's the basis of it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yeah, just the idea of the head and the heart and how it, it impacts decision-making and uh, through that, telling my story at the same time. Where can people get your book? Amazon and Apple. Um, I'm working on, it might go into um, Barnes and Noble, but I, I don't want to spread it too thin. I'm also working on like consignment. um partnerships with other bookstores so there's a bookstore i'm working on in indy hides brothers in fort wayne um i'm skeptical to say the names because i know i just said theirs but just in case it doesn't work out i don't want them going to look for it but and then uh, coffee shops and, and things like that that they can find it as well but it's available as a ebook on amazon and apple but then you can also buy the paperback on amazon as well okay do you intend to write more books now, now that you got your first one out of the way that took six years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully the the next one won't take six years. Um, I, I just, there's so many times, Matt, I was like, dude, there's, I'm not finishing this stupid thing. I'm over it, but we did. So yeah, hopefully the next one does not take six years. I have a goal that I want to do five books in five years. Um, that's the goal. If we hit it, we hit it. If not, then that's okay too. But um, these will probably be a little bit more specific in type, like self-help gets such a bad rap. So I, I struggle or hesitate to say self-help based, uh, but self-help based, probably some business nonprofit um, based, and then just some other um, niche experiences. Like I, I really want to do a book on a lot of the mental performance stuff that I've done over the years and the things that I've found. Um, I'd like to do one on like the um, developing of youth. I mean, just again, over a decade, I've had so many conversations and relationships with youth over the years, and I've seen a lot of things firsthand. And um, So yeah, I, that's kind of the focus uh, moving forward is kind of those arenas. So five mm -hmm. and five, we'll see if we get it, but that's the goal. 
So I remember one time I heard them, uh, they were talking about self-help and how that gets that bad rap. They said, we should stop calling it self-help and call it adult development. Because after mm. high school, what do we, what, how are we developing? Some, some people go to college, some people get to uh, some kind of trade or something, but then nothing, they stop growing. Um, a crazy statistic was saying how after high school, how rare people actually read after high school because mm. they're not forced to read anymore. So if we change self-help to adult development, explaining you're still growing as a person after high school, you're still growing. I think that'll help change that. That Yeah, I love that. that. Name. Yeah. Yeah. And I, cause I even saw like, and it's a good friend of mine whom I love dearly, uh, but they posted on a story that was, I really wish I could, I could remember what it was, but it was kind of the, the idea of attacking self-help and it's, that's not going to fix anything. You need to focus on spiritual formation and everything. I'm like, well, that's not for everybody, but bettering yourself, developing yourself is, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's, uh, that's a great point. And your, your uh, note on the, on the reading thing is so accurate. Like, I don't know the last time that I read for myself up until these last few months, I, my best friend, Josh King, I think he said that he's going to, end up reading 100 books this year wow. i'm like that's insane and he really <laughs> inspired there's there's two books right here that i have that i'm and there's two other ones this one actually if i can plug someone else this is my counselor's book what if i told you and it's a 21 day devotional it's unreal i highly highly recommend it they can find that on amazon as well he's he's amazing um and then this one i just started the other day it's misquoting jesus which uh, the story behind who changed the Bible and why. So it's a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh -huh. It makes some people upset, but I, I thought it stuck out to me. So, but I just, I, I say that to say that it, it took me so long to get back into reading. And I had to see someone very close to me, just like become this knowledge warrior. And I was like, man, <laughs> I need to start reading some books, dude. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's such a good point that people, they get older and they, don't read then they become entrenched in their ideas or they don't grow and they become the same and mm -hmm. yeah that just yeah that's a great point so you listed off a bunch of different topics for the next couple of books which one are you writing next do you know for sure which one well it's funny you said that because the i had one that i was like this is the next one um and it, I don't have like a title for it or anything, but it was essentially um, a guide for first year executive directors. And the idea was nonprofits, but you know, it could be, it could go to the for-profit arena as well. And just whatever that role would be in their business. But <clears throat> as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, that would mean I would have to start writing it now. And I'm not fully through my first year as an ED. So I kind of pivoted and was like, you know, I'm just going to jot down a ton of notes, a ton of observations, and then probably start that. So we're going to be 2024. So probably start that in like 2025. So the next one, I don't have my uh, my phone on me, but I have a note thing of it. There's there's several ideas that I'm looking at um, that are very kind of what I said earlier, like topical, topically specific. Um, so. For example, the one that's kind of like I can see in my notes is um, it's called scene. And it's the idea of how 
I, I think over the last several years, I, maybe the pandemic had a lot to do with this, but I feel like I, I noticed this trend before the pandemic as well, but people don't feel seen and the value of making people feel seen and what that can do. So I know that's mm -hmm. very vague, but that's kind of the idea there. So that might be the next one or going into development of the youth, just because I, again, I've already accumulated a lot of that experience, especially <clears throat> as I'm getting more as an ED with respect team, um, I'm seeing more and more stuff every day. So I, I think that would be the next one. Plus what I'm hoping is particularly with things like that, um, I can use it as a revenue stream for respect team um, mm -hmm. since it's kind of um, based in youth development and, and that kind of thing or people, ser human, ser people services. human services since it's based in that route. I hope that's, when I write and publish, some of the proceeds can go to respecting as well. So th those are, that's what I'm thinking, but I'm not positive yet. It's funny. We keep talking about the respect team, but we never said in your bio that you're the executive mm. director for the respect team. So yeah. could you tell us what is the respect team? What do they do? And where is that nonprofit going? Yeah. Yeah. So Technically, April of 2023 is when I accepted the role, but uh, started in May of 2023 of, you know, being the executive director of the respect team. And we are a uh, nonprofit that is an organization that is that supports mental health advocacy. And we do that through um, presentations in high school, middle and high school health classes. Uh, we have two events throughout the year. One in particular is called Teen Speak, which is where we empower um, selected teens to tell their story that's based on their mental health journey and kind of a TEDx uh, form. Have you have you been to a Teen Speak yet? I know you've been yes. a part. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's. Yeah, it's um, very tedx -y. You know, it's very like, you know forum like it, it's really neat um but they get to tell their story and we actually in the weeks leading up to it we connect those students with coaches so each student has a coach that kind of helps them with public speaking advice message clarity making sure that they kind of are staying on track their message is super clear um and things like that so they kind of get some some training there which is really really unique um and so that's what we do now. Um, we just, we, we try to, our, and what I would say also is our curriculum is founded in respect. So uh, middle school is very like respecting um, yourself, respect in friendships. Then high school gets respect in relationships. We talk, we have stress, the silent toxins, which we really talk about how stress and how that affects the brain and thus mm -hmm. your actions. We have an eating disorder um, um, presentation and moving forward, we're going to focus a bit more on more mental health specific things. So we'll probably have some performance anxiety conversations, signs and, and tools to combat depression. But the end goal of the organization is to give our, uh, our middle and high school students the the tools 
to respect themselves so that they respect everybody and that they will understand that they have value. So does their neighbor and that they will be compassionate community members through all of this. So that's where we are now moving forward. We definitely want to add therapy to what we do and uh, be a resource to teens that need therapy. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where we are now. It's kind of where we're going, what we want to do, but yeah, we just want to help out these kids with this mental health crisis. And I just want to point out how much I love the respect team and what they do, because I wish I would have had something like that in high school and in middle school, because there were things that I didn't know, like uh, the understanding of stress. I didn't know anything about stress. And I was like, no, I don't have any stress. And what I realized is I was just disassociating from the stressing that I don't have it, but everybody has stress and it comes down to how do you handle that? And then how do you love yourself? One of the key things that um, is one of my favorite things about respecting is telling everybody how valuable they are and seeing them within 30 minutes, you know, 45 minutes, how they actually change and recognize, oh, you know what, maybe I am valuable. And you get to see that connection with them. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, spot on. And can I say that we are really, really fortunate uh, to have you as a speaker. And I'm super, super glad that you're a part of it. Um, when I came into it um, and I was talking to the former ED and I was like, okay, well, who do we have that's been here that I can rely on a little bit? Uh, Mandy uh, Feynman was first and then you were second. Um, mm. It was, yeah. So if that means anything, um, it was just, uh, you obviously make an impact. And I've seen some of the feedback forms, obviously, and mm -hmm. the kids love you too. So we're, we're super fortunate to have you be a part of it. And I'm thankful that you spend your time with us and, um, but yeah, man, that, that is, that's huge. It's seeing that shift in their, in their minds and kind of even in their language as you interact, cause our, you can speak to this. Our presentations are very interactive. We mm -hmm. ask them a lot of questions. We want their feedback. What is their experience and, and so on and so on. So, um, you can really see that firsthand kind of happen right away. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that kind of like what you're saying if I had this it would have been better like even how we talk about boundaries with the yeah. students I it took me until I was like 26 in therapy to learn that I can set boundaries with people like yeah. for real dude you don't think that if I would have learned that 15 years earlier that would have monumentally helped my interpersonal relationships and the relationship mm -hmm. with myself like oh mm -hmm. my gosh so yeah, hundred percent. I just I love the curriculum that we have. I think it's just immediately impactful because they they have practical skills um, that significantly change the way that they love themselves and others. So we're down to our final three questions of the podcast. Uh, these are three specific that I ask every guest, and they're specifically on what the podcast is: live, love, and grow. So for the first question. What advice can you share about how to create a life that leaves a positive impact on the world? The first, the very first thing that came to mind was the phrase of, um, you could say it in two, a couple different ways, but get over yourself, get outside of yourself. We are beings, whether you are the most introvert of introvert, and then even if you're the most extrovert of extrovert, doing it in a healthy way, but we are beings that we're not meant to live alone. Um, I believe that very, very firmly and when you are so inside you know you're stuck inside yourself um you just you won't have an impact on others and 
some people think that maybe that's not important. Like, well, A, like I couldn't make an impact on others. That's a lie. And two, it's, I don't really care to. And that's fine. Like if, if that's something that really isn't that important to you, but that a lot of the, a lot of times that thinking comes from just being really inside yourself and no one's taking the time to impact you. Right. So there's this thing of like, well, no one's done that for me. Why should I do that for anybody else? So I would say, get out, get outside yourself, recognize that you are, you know, a part of a whole um, and it takes everybody to, to live a healthy life. Right. That's the first thing I would say. And the second is take care of yourself. So it, it's kind of, there's kind of a duality there because the first one I'm saying, get outside of yourself. And the second one I'm saying, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I project that way is because you have to initially see that you do matter to the whole, right? You have to understand mm-hmm. that first. I tell people a lot of times that it, um, that you have to be self-aware first, so then you can be a self-advocate next. You have to be aware of the issue so you can be an advocate for the issue, right? So I project in that way for that reason. So, you know, you've identified you do matter to the whole and that you can make an impact. And the second piece of it is, okay, well, I need to develop myself. I need to take care of myself so that I can be a healthy member as I impact others. Mm-hmm. Um, whether again, going back to that conversation of adult development, right? Like mm-hmm. reading books and, and, and things. There's another book I'm reading right now. Um, it's called Barking to the Barking to the Choir. Something about radical kinship is like the subtitle. Um, and it's a guy that ran like home, it's called Homeboy Industries. They're like the largest gang intervention, like rehabilitation program. And so this book is just talking, I'm in the early stages of reading it, but it, that's a large part of it is, yeah, of just kind of getting outside yourself, but getting to this point of, you know, for me, it's like, I'm reading about how I shouldn't look at people and see a problem, right? I should see a human being that is as much deserving of love as I am. And so I should have this idea of a pursuit of radical kinship. So I wouldn't have never got, I would have never got there if I wasn't taking care of myself and mm. feeding my knowledge and my brain and, and things. So therapy is huge. Um, I think everyone probably could go to counseling for something um, for some reason, whether you don't have someone to just vent to about your everyday stresses throughout the week, or you need a, a safe space to unpack some trauma, whatever it is, I think everyone can go. And I know that's been seriously life-changing. So identify that you are part of a community, you're valuable in a community, and you can make an impact, take care of yourself so you can do that um, in a healthy way. And then three, I would say plug into um, a smaller community, whatever that looks like, whether that's like a running group that you, you know, you run with people on Thursday nights and then you Mm -hmm. get a beer after whatever the heck, I don't know. Uh, Or it's a small group with your church plug in with a small group of communities so that you can be actively practicing that mm-hmm. impact um, on a, on a practical level. Um, and then I think from there, it kind of speaks for itself. You'll start to see things in the world that hit your heart in a way of going like, Oh, that's not, that's not making the world better. That's not making our city better. 
how can I be a part of that? But none of those things would have happened if you hadn't done some practical steps mm-hmm. to become aware so you could take care of yourself so you can take care of others. So I would say that, yeah, that's kind of my feedback there. Okay. So what are some practical ways people can cultivate self-love? That's such a good question, Matt. First thing is accepting that you're deserving of love. Mm. There, There's, I, I've struggled with that for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I talk about that in the book, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, but for truly, I, because of mistakes I've made, um, lies I was told or told myself, um, I I didn't think I was deserving or worthy of love. And that was particularly from others. And so if you think that you're not really deserving of love from others, you're probably not going to think that you should then or even are worthy of loving yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's just for sure, first and for- foremost, accept, receive, believe that you are worthy of love and that um, that you should love yourself. The second part of that is understanding that loving yourself is not selfish. Yes. That was another piece of the puzzle that once I started kind of working in that direction and understanding, okay, like. No, I can love myself growing up in the church. Um, and it, this is not a, a hate on the church. Um, but I think through my generation, your generation, I think that there was a consistent rhetoric that about this kind of fake humility thing. And that you have to kind of like demean yourself to be a good christian kind of because if you elevate yourself at all you're arrogant and that i think that has some very um damaging practical things that happen as a result of that i know that's what happened to me is i i didn't want attention because i wanted to be humble Mm -hmm. um but then that meant that i wouldn't i wouldn't uh recognize myself i wouldn't celebrate myself Mm -hmm. i wouldn't you know love myself and so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So the first piece is knowing and accepting that you are worthy of it. The second piece of it is knowing that it's not selfish to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And the third piece would be just whatever action step that would, that's necessary to do that. So I think the most basic answer is getting into therapy and that that's a critical component. Again, I, I think that falls into the adult development section of just nurturing yourself that's mm-hmm. i mean when i tell you that my therapy has been absolutely foundational in my growth um to the point where there's times where i'm like okay i've seen him for a year maybe i'm okay so we're two weeks ago i can be on a session still making wild like breakthroughs mm-hmm. um and you know, I don't know if i'll see him forever i don't know but i'm just mm-hmm. in this season i'm like it's so crucial and it helps me. I walk away becoming more self-aware so that I can love myself and others better. Mm-hmm. So therapy, I would say is just, yeah, first step for sure. Get into therapy, have someone that you trust, you feel comfortable with. Um, so they can give you those tools. R- remind me of the question again. Sorry. Yeah, no, you answered it. I mean, what are some practical ways people can cultivate self-love? Yeah, yeah. So that I think, I, yeah, I could go a lot deeper, but those those are really good. I think, yeah, just 
the therapy piece is, is crucial. Um, getting into having a good group of friends and community that are feeding positivity into your life, I think is, is huge too. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my core group of best friends, we make fun of each other all the time for sure, but you better believe that they're also the first ones to, you know, post my book on social media. Mm-hmm. They're going to be at my release party. They're celebrating me, um, you know, all the while making fun of me in a private group chat. You know I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, it's uh, yeah, that's really huge. If the, the, immediate people in your group are not um again feeding that flame of positivity and love to you to you then it's going to be really hard for you to continue to act that so get a good community around you as well so the third question what strategies or practices do you recommend for people looking to enhance their self-awareness or self-reflection this is a really hard one for me spending time with alone with mm-hmm. yourself and um, I would even go as far as to say in a quiet space mm-hmm. that the last part, the hardest thing for me, yeah. I, you know, it's so hard. I'm a type seven on the Enneagram. I have ADD. I, you know, if it's too quiet, it, it's like, it, it just is the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, there's a trauma aspect of it. That's like, you know, it's like, then I have to be alone with my thoughts. Yeah. Um, which I say tongue in cheek, but that was like a core belief for a long time of like, but then I have to process it. Mm-hmm. So I think when you put yourself in a space where there's no distractions and you, you really are just alone with yourself, you don't even have to actively pursue it. It's going to happen. Like you will have thoughts that will come to your head. Um, and if you don't reject it and you accept it, you receive it and you, and you, my therapist calls it, um, he says, pry, pry the why. So you're feeling these things. So if you receive it and you don't judge it Mm -hmm. and you go, okay, why am I feeling that way? Why am I thinking that? I think that really opens you up to those are those are early stages of self-awareness and i know i've been very long-winded on a lot of other answers so i think that's i'll leave it as basic as that um i I get alone with yourself that's a part of self-love get Mm -hmm. quiet pry the why don't judge what you feel receive it even if you would say it's a excuse me a negative emotion like you're angry with someone Mm-hmm. and whatever don't judge it ask yourself why you feel that way mm-hmm. and then ask why do you think that they acted that way and, and so on and so on and so on so i think that that's a really really good start to that okay um so i just want to acknowledge you jordan for your time taking your time out of the day to get on this podcast with me and share your story how can people connect with you yeah um well thanks for having me on it, it's it's a pleasure and i'm want to acknowledge you man way to you know we got coffee a couple weeks ago and you're like man this is something i kept putting off and here you are you're doing it i i saw you post an episode uh with someone the other day and so you're doing it man so congrats and uh, proud of you as well uh so people can connect with me on um, instagram um which is uh j a underscore kerner um kind of easy it's my initials and my last name um on through email 
um, which, you know, I can, I can give you those and you can put those in the meeting notes if you want. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, those are probably the two best ways is, you know, connect with me on social media and check out what, what's going on, how I'm trying to be part of community and, and things like that. Or if you want to be more personal, you can always email me as well if you want to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can always interact with me by, you know, buying a, buying a brother's book. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> that's always a great interaction too. <laughs> that was actually going to be my next question is how can we support you on your journey? You know, um, of course, you know, buying the book, obviously, if that's something that you're interested in um, mm-hmm. out there, for sure. Um, I, you know, it, it's funny, there's been a couple of times where people have asked, like, well, I should, why would we want to read that? <laughs> and it's just because it, it, it's my story, but I think it's all of our story. I think every single one of us has dealt with uh, being in a position of what do I, what do I do here? What's the, you know, the fork in the road and whether you recognize it or not, it probably was some sort of battle of what do I want to do? What do I feel emotionally led to do? Well, what's logical, what's practical, rational. And I think every one of us have had some sort of up and down you, if you want to go as far as say trauma in family or friends or within religion or with love, or specifically with yourself. So it's it's my story, but it's all of our stories. So I I really do think, um, not trying to self-promote too much, but just I, I think there's something any everybody could take away from and that and and relate to and things like that. So that's one. Um just yeah, I would say you can support the organization, respect team, um, find out what we're doing. We are always looking for speakers. Um, and just, yeah, I'm a words of affirmation guy. So if you see me out and about, or you do follow me or whatever, just send me some, send me some encouragement, you know, love a brother a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, those are, those are probably the, the quickest and best ways to support. Awesome. All of those, uh, notes and links will be available in the show notes. And again, I just want to thank you for your time. I really had a blast having this conversation with you, Jordan. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, buddy. It was a good time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Choose to Live, Love, and Grow podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Don't forget to live, love, and grow to be the best version of you. Oh, and one more thing. If you or a young man that you know suffer from victim mindset or are not reaching their fullest potential, then visit mattfindora.com to see how we can work together to become the best version of ourselves. That's mattfindora.com. The link will be in the show notes and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you and have an outstanding day.